Has the secondaries market ground to a halt, or is it biding its time as market players sit in the waiting room? Investors are on standby for accurate NAV figures in a calmer macro environment. Amid this pause, our esteemed panel discusses discounted pricing, what the market will look like post-COVID-19, and the possibility of secondaries tourists on this week's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. I'm your host for today, Catherine Hidalgo, and this week we have a secondary special with a panel discussion led by Unquote Associate Editor Denise Co-Genovese. As the secondaries market grinds virtually to a halt, our esteemed panel discusses when we can expect the market to start back up again, pricing in the time of coronavirus, and how secondaries players have reacted in comparison to the global financial crisis of 2008. Here with us today is Denise to tell us a bit more about the market. Hi Denise, thanks very much for joining us. Hi Kat, thanks for having me. Can you give us a quick feeling of the market? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as we entered 2020, we saw that the previous years, 2018, 2019, um, there was super high deal volume and prices were skyrocketing in the secondaries market. And now suddenly everything ground to a halt, as you said, and there's incredibly low volume I think the general feeling from most people is that sellers will return, but the big question on everyone's lips is when will that be? Interesting. Well, thanks very much for that. And we'll hear more from Denise in one moment. Um, But first, we've got our secondaries panel discussion with Nico Deverna from Mill Reef Capital, Joe Topley, head of European Funds at Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, and Daniel Roddick of EV Place Partners. Only a few months ago, the market was asking what was next for secondaries, especially given the ever-increasing amounts of dedicated funds being raised and allocated to the strategy. One secondaries investor even told me a few months ago that they were looking for more niche strategies given how high prices were and that they were unwilling to pay for what they saw as plain vanilla fund stakes. And 2020 was set to be another bumper year of transactions. But much of that changed almost overnight. And we're here today to talk about what's next for secondaries as financial markets continue to assess the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Joining me today to talk it all through, we have Nico Taverna from Mill Reef Capital, a dedicated secondaries investment firm. Hi, Denise. Joe Topley, head of European funds at Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. Hello, happy to be here. And Daniel Roddick, founder of Ely Place Partners, an advisory and placement firm. Hi, Denise. Nico, if I could turn to you first. As someone who only recently set up a firm, Millbrief Capital, to raise money and invest solely in secondaries, what's the outlook for buyers, and yourselves in particular, given the pandemic? Yes, indeed, we are facing very interesting times. I think 2018 and 19 was a time of super high deal volume, but also very high prices. Uh, we also started 2020 with quite high deal volume until the music suddenly stopped in February, March. Right now, I think the volume is quite low. You only have a few um, very distressed sellers in the market, but the volume is still low. And we are very excited about the opportunity ahead now as valuations will come down in Q2 and Q3. Uh, in particular, we think that a lot of sellers will actually return to the market. And I think that will be very interesting opportunities for secondary buyers in this current environment. Thanks, Nico. And can I ask you, Joe, I know that OTPP isn't a buyer of fund stakes, but does use the secondaries market to sell positions. What are you and other LPs thinking about right now? 
That's true, Denise. Uh, we have periodically used the, the secondaries market for portfolio management uh, purposes, and we've sold on a number of occasions. Um, at the moment, we're, we're holding firm. Uh, we're we're very aware that valuations will come down and there's a, an extreme lack of visibility um, within our portfolio at the moment. So if we did come back to the market uh, and, and sell some of our positions, uh, it wouldn't be until much later in the year or perhaps even next year when things have settled down. Um, so I think we're, we're firmly on the sidelines at this point. Thanks, Joe. Daniel, could you give us the advisor perspective? Specifically, what are your thoughts on timing and when, if at all, you think the market will be flooded with fund stakes? Well, I think that uh, perhaps flooded is uh, rather a strong word right now. Um, I think we need to ask ourselves when the market will reopen, first of all. There were a number of very large processes going on when COVID hit and everything really ground to a halt. I think what we need to see now before the markets do reopen is, first of all, sensible NAV numbers, NAV numbers that make sense such that buyers can price the LP positions. And I think that may even take a few quarters before that really comes through. The other thing that we need to have is just some visibility on the macro environment. GPs need to be able to provide reasonable guidance on company earnings to LPs. And while they have companies that may even have zero revenue right now, that's almost an impossible task. But what I would say is that pre-COVID, there was quite an overhang of capital. Um, that capital is still there. And when the, do mar- when the markets do reopen, it may well be that uh, the volumes do eventually pick up to, to, uh, to where they were previously in rather short order. Thanks, Daniel. And we've mentioned it before, many of us, but, you know, secondaries pricing, if I can stick to that, has been incredibly high in the last 12 months. How much of a hit do you think LPs are willing to take? And do you think it'll be a lot of time before they start to accept lower prices? What are your thoughts, Joe? I think it will be a while. Uh, so that the, the Q4 numbers came out uh, a few weeks ago. Those are essentially meaningless now. Uh, Q1 numbers will be out um, second half of May. They'll be meaningless as well because um, the, the, the crisis only really began to bite at the end of March. So you'll see, uh, you know, most of Q1 um, in, in decent shape, I would say. Um, Q2 numbers uh, will come out, um, you know, sometime towards the end of August. But even then, I think we're still, you know, we're still, uh, you know, blind to, to really the impact this will have on, on, on companies' long-term prospects. So I would expect uh, the market to kind of restart in Q4 sometime, perhaps towards the middle end of November, when the Q3 numbers are out and we have a little bit more certainty. So um, I think LPs will be prepared to take a hit. I think um, those of us who can remember the GFC, um, I think the lessons have been learned there. A lot of LPs did sell in distress um, uh, or, or for, for reasons of, um, of um, the denominator effect then. I think those lessons have been learned. I don't think you'll see quite so many forced sellers, um, uh, you know, willing to go to market with fire sell prices. But I, but I think, uh, you know, there will be uh, there will be some movement towards the end of the year. Yeah. Great, thanks, Joe. And and staying on pricing for for another moment. So most people are in um, agreement that prices will come down quite a lot, whether that's the discount or whether that's just valuations on the whole. Do you think that that will mean a lot more opportunistic buyers will come to the surface? Perhaps some that weren't already focused on the secondaries market up until now. Nico, what do you think? And it's a very interesting question, Denise. And actually, it reminds me a bit of the time of 2008 and 9, when uh, during the GFC, 
also we were all wondering whether new kind of opportunistic buyers or like to also called like secondary tourists whether those would kind of enter the market um, I personally don't think so um, I think now it's, it has become quite an efficient sophisticated market you need to have an existing network you need to know the people to really source opportunities to price those to to structure it and you really need to have the resources in place to be a, an active buyer in what has become a more efficient market um, I think it's very challenging just to do secondary tra transactions on an opportunistic basis and in particular in a crisis when visibility is a bit lower it becomes even more difficult if you have not been in this market for uh, for a while thanks Nico Joe, you mentioned um, some comparisons between now and the GFC. What are your thoughts in relation to secondaries in this regard, Daniel? Well, I think Joe's absolutely right. I mean, there were uh, lessons learned last time. Um, if I think of um, conversations over recent years with institutions, many of whom exited the private equity markets after the GFC, either sold their positions or, or put their programs on hold, and then subsequently came to realize that they do need to have exposure to it. And in fact, uh, many have um, uh, retrospectively looked to address this by buying up older vintages that they didn't have uh, ex any exposure to for those, um, in particular, those post-GFC vintages. So I think those same institutions won't make the same, you know, quote unquote, mistakes again um, they are by and large a lot more sophisticated and realize that they need to stay invested through the cycle so i think the motivations here for selling will be quite different as nico says really what the market has become is a, it's, it's a portfolio management tool and that will remain the case um, so investors will use it to just simply capitalize on pricing and lock in gains or just to tailor their portfolios according to their strategic objectives so I think that will happen when the market reopens. Um, the other big difference between now and the GFC is the underlying cause of the crisis. The GFC was a financial crisis, and this led to a number of regulatory changes. And these regulatory changes then triggered the sale of private equity portfolios, in particular from the banks. But that's all now been and gone. So overall, I would say you're going to have different sellers different motivations, and really history is unlikely to repeat itself. Great. Thanks, Daniel. Joe, can I come back to you for a second? Do you see any other comparisons or differences between the market now in this state of distress compared to just after the GFC? Well, I think one overall comment I would make about the GFC and the, the secondaries market then was that it kind of failed its purpose. It was there really for, to provide liquidity for those who needed it. And it didn't, by and large. Uh, you know, one or two buyers were active, but I would say on the whole, the secondary market was quite quiet and stood on the sidelines for many, many months before they were willing to kind of take the first steps towards buying things. And understandably, now I think we've got a much, uh, as Nico and, and Daniel have said, we've got a much more sophisticated secondaries market with a number of different products available to, to, to buyers. Um, and I would include on those um, the idea of doing preferred where you can come in and you can put some capital into a fund to allow it to um, to either pay back capital to LPs or to support portfolio companies. Um, and that preferred level of uh, that preferred security sits above the LPs and gets paid out in preference. That's not something that was really um, available uh, 10, 10 or 12 years ago during the GFC. So I think there are some some changes in um, 
in the, uh, the the level of sophistication of buyers. But but and I would also say that GPs now have taken the initiative and they are um, helping to drive that liquidity for LPs. Whereas back in 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 the in the GFC time, um, it was really down to LPs to kind of find their own solutions for liquidity. Whereas now GPs can can obviously push forward with with GP led restructurings. And so so things have 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 changed and moved on quite a lot. Thanks, Joe. Nico, can I just ask you as well um, a couple of thoughts um, in that regard, how the secondaries market has evolved over the last few years? Yeah, clearly we've talked about the fact that I think it's a lot more efficient. You have a lot more kind of buyers now who are quicker, more sophisticated, have more data points, have kind of learnings from the previous crisis. So I think that should hopefully be um, beneficial. I think it's still very early to say overall, I think right now we're only kind of two months into this crisis and it really reminds me of the first quarter after the global financial crisis when deal volume was also or still very uh, low at the time. You have kind of this valuation gap, you have kind of outdated um, reference dates and valuations um, and the buyer basically applying a forward-looking approach so it's really hard to agree on a price. So we'll still have to kind of see how the, the transaction volume and the prices evolve now in the next uh, two to three quarters. And yes, you're right. I mean, there's not kind of a, no big distress in the system yet, but I think this can change um, if underlying fund managers also start to do deals again. Right now, they're all kind of on hold, so capital calls are still relatively kind of low. If those pick up and at the same time distributions remain low, which we expect, then this could actually mean more, uh, yeah, could impose more pressure on sellers to really kind of approach um, the secondary market. And yes, as Joe said, I think one of the big um, differences is the uh, the fact that GPs are um, way more active um, providing liquidity to their LPs. And this will be very interesting to see how this can actually take off pressure of LPs. Yeah, and also it's not just a sign of distress, is it? Whereas maybe um, after the GFC, buying or selling in the secondaries market was a sign of distress. What we've seen over the last kind of couple of years is people using the secondaries market in a much more innovative way, as you said, for liquidity solutions or GP-led kind of rebalancing of their portfolios. So perhaps we might see an uptick in activity, but not necessarily being a sign of distress. What are your last thoughts, Joe and Daniel? So on my side, uh, first of all, I would completely agree with Joe and Nico that the sophistication has grown and the market has broadened with many more options today available for sellers. But where we have probably seen the biggest development in recent years is at the GP level. We see GPs really taking the initiative to capitalise on the growth in the secondary market. First of all, they're turning to the market to pro- provide liquidity for their own LPs. They will have had their own M&A processes for their portfolio companies put on hold. And, and many may now instead look to the secondary market to provide this liquidity, i.e. transactions at a fund level or a single asset deal, for example. But secondly, GPs are now turning to the secondary market as a fundraising tool. Many will have been in mid-fundraising when the COVID hit and had to put their fundraising on hold, but they need capital. They will have a pipeline of deals which will need funding. So what he may see is more late primary deals, co-investments, annex funds, or single asset deals or concentrated portfolios. These are the areas that I would expect to pick up in the coming months. 
Yeah, well, I can just speak for teachers as opposed to the market as a whole, but I would say that we have been waiting for some form of correction for quite some time. Obviously, we weren't expecting it to come in this form, um, but uh, you know, we have um, structured our fund accordingly, and so you know, we are very far from distress. In fact, we're in, in, in great shape, um, and I think that many LPs will be in the same position where they, you know, they were expecting something to happen, and so they've taken preemptive measures, and so that I think that does reduce the amount of potential distress in the market. On that note, thank you all very much. Great discussion. Thanks so much for um, for doing that, Denise. And and what did you find were your kind of key takeaways from from the panel discussion? Yeah, I think that um, the whole discussion about valuations and how valuations at the moment are pretty meaningless. I mean, Daniel mentioned, um, well, he put that question, you know, how can you value a company or an asset which has zero revenue right now and I think that's absolutely right and everyone seems to be in agreement that we're going to really have to wait till much later in the year maybe third quarter fourth quarter for realistic and meaningful valuations to come out for people to make a decision about whether they want to buy or sell I also thought that um, what Nico said about secondary tourists I like that term whether you know compared to the last um, financial crisis after Lehman Brothers um, collapsed, there were a lot of secondary tourists, i.e. people that before then weren't really into the business of buying secondary positions. But, you know, there was a real rise in opportunistic um, buyers. And, you know, that question of whether that will happen again, um, once kind of people have paused for breath and want to start kind of um, buying and selling again. I mean, it seemed he seemed to suggest that that wouldn't be the case. But, you know, that did broaden up the discussion into how the secondaries market has evolved as a whole, and how it's much more sophisticated now. Um, And, and, you know, the conclusion from the panelists was that therefore, you know, it's a very different time from the, from the last financial crisis. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time this week, Denise. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. Do look out for our upcoming episodes on venture. Please take the opportunity to, to subscribe on the Unquote Private Equity podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or of course, continue listening on Unquote.com. A very big thank you to our associate editor, Denise, to our panellists, Nico Deverna, Joe Topley and Daniel Roddick. And as always, a big thank you to you too, listener. Speak to you soon.